So we're starting a new series uh, this morning. Uh, it's called Margins, and uh, we're going to talk about the margins of our life. All right? And so there are seasons that if you walk into my office, that the desk that I work at looks something like these right, this right there. I mean, I would try to lie to you and say, oh, no, no, I'm this organized person, but that just, most of you wouldn't believe it anyways. Uh, and, and so some of you, like the sight of that desk right there, like it's ruined your day. Like you're done. Like you got to go home and go to bed and start again tomorrow because it's just ruined your day. Uh, and for others, you are like, oh, that makes sense. I bet you know where every pile's at. What, you could find anything that you need right in the beat of a drum, all right? And, and, and so, for some of you, this is like the norm. For others of you, this is the norm and how you like to keep your space, all right? And so, I really, I don't care how you keep your desk. You know, I, I don't care if your desk actually looks like the first picture. Uh, I don't care if the back seat of your car looks like the first picture. I, I don't care if your closet looks like that first picture. But here's what I don't want. I don't want your life to look like that first picture. I, I don't want your calendar to look like that first picture. I, I don't want your bank account to look like that picture. I don't want you to feel like that first picture physically and emotionally. I don't want it to look like that first picture where it just looks like everything's teetering and it's ready to come crashing down. And so because I don't want that for you, and because I know the Lord doesn't want that for you, for the next four weeks, we're going to talk about those areas of our life and the margins that we need to have in those so that it doesn't look like the first picture, but it looks like a healthy picture of what we're going to do. And so to make sure that we're all working from the same place, this idea of margin, what does it mean to have margin? So we've got a definition of margin, and this is the definition Margin is the space between our current pace and our max. The space between our current pace and our max. And so if we're running right as hard as we can right now, up to the red line, up to the max, that means there's no margin because we're running at a current pace and our max are the same. But if we're running at a pace that is not our max, the space there is margin. It's breathing room. It's a place to have some mental space and some physical space and some healthy space. And so that's what we're going to talk about. And this morning, we're going to attack first uh, the calendar. And so I've, I've brought my jar, because here's the thing we know about time. Time is a finite thing. No matter how many times you've tried this or what you've done to try to work it, there are only 24 hours in one day. Uh, you can't make more of those hours in that day. No matter how much you want to, or no matter how much you try to make it, there's only going to be seven days in this week. And no matter what you want to happen this year, you're only going to get 365 days this year. It's not a leap year, so you can't steal that extra day. And so time's finite, just like this glass jar. If you make it expand, it doesn't expand. It actually explodes, all right? And, and so now, pause. I've got softballs, I've got baseballs, and I've got golf balls, all right? All right? And so I am not saying anything about the game of golf. I'm not saying anything about the game of baseball or anything about the game of softball. I actually love all three of them. I'm using them for their size, all right? 
biggest, middle, smallest, all right? So don't, don't read into this. I don't want to get any angry letters about you who love golf who think I was downplaying the game of golf, all right? I love to hack as just much as anybody, okay? All right, so that's what we're using them. And, and so in our day, we have things that are clamoring for our time, all right? And so we have big things, important things, crucial things. We have things that are, you know, here, and then we have things... But doesn't it seem like there's a lot of these things and a lot of different things that's clamoring? And so we start to put things in there because they're calling for our time. They're calling for our attention. I know that's going to happen. I need you. I need you. Can you pick those up? Thank you. (laughs) And so we start filling up our calendar with the things that are claiming for our time, for our attention. Watch out. Don't tell him I did that on purpose. <laughs> and so we have our stuff that fills up our day, and then all of a sudden we realize, oh, there's some really important things that got to get in there, and the important thing doesn't quite get in. And so what do we do? How do we fix that? And this is going to take me a second to get these out and try to keep them like in a organized chaos but the thing that's different the thing that we're going to find is just wisdom is that if we would go at it the other way and we would put those things that are most important in first uh, we might find ourselves in a little bit better of a place because we talk about the scriptures a lot and there's not a place in the scriptures where you can point to a book a chapter or a verse and it can say like put the golf balls in last you're not going to find that But what you will find is there's a lot of wisdom teaching by God on how to approach things and how we're supposed to live our lives. And so if if we would take and say, what are those things that are most important to us? And we want to make sure those get on the calendar first. And then the spaces that are around there, then we can start to put those other things in. And we'll see if they can fit around, if they can work around the things that are most important. Because my guess is there's going to be weeks where everything's going to be able to fit in just fine. But there's going to be weeks that things still won't all fit in. And here's the question is when you're done with the week and there's some things that just didn't make it into the line, what is it that you want left out? Is it something that you would say was mission critical, is most important? Or is it something like this that can always wait to next week or just doesn't have to get done because there's voices that is calling out for your time there's voices that are calling out for your attention and here's what happens oftentimes we allow the thing that drives our calendar and the things that drives our decision making not to be what's biggest what's best what's most important what can i not live without but fear we allow fear to drive our calendar you ever heard of fomo fear of missing out We allow the fear of missing out to dictate our calendar, and so we put things in there that are good. Maybe they're not good, but because we don't want to miss out on something. Or we allow our kids' fear of missing out to drive us, and so we say, oh, sure, you can do everything. We'll try to squeeze all that in, and that fear drives our calendar, and next thing you know, we're left holding something that's probably pretty important, like family time or family meals or just a space to breathe, and it's stuck on the outside looking in. I think there's that. I think there's another fear. There's fear of disappointing people. 
fact that if I actually say no to somebody about something, uh, that I might disappoint them. And just that fear of disappointing somebody drives me to say yes, 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 to the point where I don't have any more space. We can't make any more time. And if we say yes to everything, or we say yes to all these things, pretty soon we'll find ourselves speeding down the road everywhere we go because we don't have enough time to get there. We'll find ourselves turning our car into our dining room and our closet because our kids or us are eating in our car and we're changing in our cars, we're rushing from one thing to another. Or uh, the words that my kids and my friends hear the most from me is, hurry up, we're late. And I don't think any of us really enjoys the seasons of life that feel like that. Like no one says, ooh, 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 I want to be crazy. But how many of us, if we were really honest with ourselves, find us living crazy? And okay, so you can think like, Pastor Brandon's just like beating on us right now. Believe you me, this one's for me. And you just get the privilege of sitting there and living it, listening to it with me. So just, I'm talking to myself, you just get the privilege of being here because I live this every day. Bethany and I have these discussions all the time. What's most important? What gets in the calendar this week? Ooh, what can we do this next season? What do we have to say no to? What do we have to say yes to? And it's a frustration that never goes away because there's always things clamoring for our time and for our attention. And so what is it that we say yes to and what is it we say no to? Because this is what I know about busyness. Busyness steals and sucks the joy out of life. I miss being able to be present in this moment enjoying this group that I'm with or this task that I'm doing because my mind's already thinking about when do I have to leave in order to get to the next place, not in time, but like fashionably late. And then it, it steals that, and then it comes to that point where like that snapback happens where we're so busy, we're so alone, we've done so much, that all of a sudden that rubber band snaps, and it snaps back, and all I want to do is crawl into a hole and not let anybody else in there with me and just be by myself because I'm emotionally and mentally tapped out. And if you've been there before, listen to this. Because God has some good wisdom for us. If you haven't been there, Listen to this, because you don't want to be there. It's not really that fun. And so before we go any further, please know this. God wants more for you than he does from you. God wants more for you than he does once from you. Sometimes we get this flipped around. Oh, God just wants this from me, that from me. He wants my money. He wants all this kind of No, no, no. God wants more for you than he does from you. You see, God really does want you to have the most fulfilling life possible. And so the things that he does is to help you lead to a fulfilling life. And so he wants more for you than he wants from you. And so in the book of Psalms, chapter 90, a man named Moses was writing this chapter. We read the last two verses in the welcoming word this morning. But earlier in there, he's talking about some things that are important to us right here. And so this is written by a man named Moses. Moses was a guy who grew up in a palace was kind of kicked out of the palace and lived as a poor shepherd. And then he was called back to that place to lead God's people out, this big group of people out of Egypt through the promised land. And so he had some of the most awesome experiences ever recorded in history uh, of encountering God. And he had some of the most painful or worst experiences. And he had about a million people who basically looked to him as their dad and, uh, and were always clamoring for his time and attention. And so he knows some of this. And so in verse 10 of chapter 90, 
He says this, Our days may come to 70 years, or 80, if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow. For they pass, or they quickly pass, and we fly away. We've talked about it with this glass jar. Time is finite. You can't make more of it. Sure, you can try to get away without sleeping, but it eventually costs you. Time's finite. You can't make more minutes. They're, they're designed the way they are. And so your time here on earth, your time in certain phases of life, it's going to be limited. It's going to be rigidly structured. You can't just somehow create more. And so here's what we have to remember about this idea that time is finite. They go back quickly. All right? Ask an old person. They'll tell you time goes by quickly. All right? Here's what we have to remember. Whatever it is I say yes to, I also say no to other things. And so anytime when I say yes to something, I say no to something else. If you're going to write down something this morning, I would write that down. If you're going to say yes to something, you will say no to something else. You may not verbally have to say the word no, but something else will get pushed out because time's finite. You only have so much. You can't do it all. And so when I say yes to something, I'm automatically saying no to something else. When I say yes to being out at meetings and different things every night of the week, I'm saying no to family dinners on the dinner table. When I say yes to participating in everything, I'm saying no to other things. When I say yes, personally, when I say yes to coaching every sport my kids play in, I say no to dates with my wife. When I say yes to evenings, I say no to my family, that I'm going to be home with them. Um, and I also say no to like cutting the grass and doing those other things that somehow has to get done. And so when we say yes to something, we also say no to something else. And so two verses later in verse 12, Moses is still speaking, and he says this, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number, teach us to understand, teach us to grasp just how much time we have so that we can use them and become wise with them. And so uh, allow me to speak to the age ranges here, okay? Our older generation, and I'm not going to tell you where you, if you are or not in there. You declare that if you're in there or not. Our older generation, all right? I learned long ago not to try to pigeonhole it that way. Older generation, if you consider yourself a part of the older generation, here's my question for you. How many days do you have left? How many days do you realistically have left? And what is the best way that you can use them? Middle-aged people, and this, I'll put myself in this one. Middle-aged people. How many days do we have left in this season? For those of us who have kids, how many days do we have them left in our house? For those of you who have seniors this year, you're like, ooh, not many. <sighs> how many days do you have them left in this environment, in this house, where you have this type of influence over them. For those of us who are watching our parents and the generation above us start to decline and slow down, how many days left do you have your body with as much energy and with as much whatever you want to call it 
as you have right now. Because these things do wear out. How much time do you have left in this phase? How many days? Young people. Now, many of you are looking at me like, y'all are crazy. Like, y'all just weird talking about this kind of stuff. Uh, but, but would you learn from us a little bit and then teach us some stuff? Uh, many of you are like wishing days away. Like, oh, I can't wait till I graduate. Can't wait till I get my driver's license. I can't wait till I get married or I get a job or I can get out of the house. We're like, you're wishing those days away. And there's many old people in this room that would probably cut off a limb to be able to go back and be able to relive those days that you're in right now. Uh, and, and so understand this. You're only going to live this space of time once. How many days do you have left in it? And what's most important? And what's the best way to use those days? Don't wish it all away. You'll get old someday, just like the rest of us. And you'll talk about aches and pains and all this other mess. Uh, it's no fun all the time. But what is the best use of the days and the season that you are in right now? What's the big rocks? What's the big things that you want to put in your time first? I came up with a list of some of, some of my big rocks. Um, and these, I don't think, is like the perfect list. This isn't like, ooh, this is the gospel according to Brandon. No, this is, this is where I'm at. Uh, and some may change. I don't think some probably won't. Uh, but I think, for me, time with my spouse, you might be time with a significant other. Uh, that's a big rock. Uh, and usually it's the one that gets pushed out fastest. Uh, because other things, kids and other people, bosses and teachers, they all scream really loud when things get pinched on their end. Sometimes our spouse just goes along with it, and next thing you know, we look at each other and go, who are you? Uh, time with the spouse, single other is important. Another one for me, time with family, time with kids. Uh, I'm in a phase, but they're only going to be here so long, uh, and so spending the maximum time are the best time, the quality time. And for us, we're in a situation where our family, our extended family doesn't live around here. And so maximizing the time that we get with them uh, whenever we can uh, and kind of creating opportunities for those. Time with friends. The busier we get, one of the things I find out is I don't see my friends very often. And I really do need that. Uh, I need those things. And so how, how do we make sure that's a big rock that gets in there for our calendar? Uh, dinners together, helping each other when needed. Um, just even being able to sit down and talk to another adult and have adult conversations. Uh, another thing that's important for us right now, uh, investing in myself. It may seem like a weird one, uh, but working out, reading, uh, investing in myself to become better, and, uh, and also resting. Uh, I'm not me when I'm cranky and tired. Uh, and so making sure I'm doing the things that invest in myself. Not just investing myself, I would say investing beyond myself. Uh, recognizing that the world is much bigger than me and, uh, and that I play a small role in there, but serving, mentoring others, uh, finding ways to make an impact beyond just myself and my own personal family. And I put it last on the list, but for me it's actually most important, uh, and that's time with Jesus. Um, I know that if I don't get my time with Jesus, I'm not the best person I should be uh, because he pours into me. And so time reading the scriptures, time being here in church with you guys, time in my small group that I'll be with here in a few hours tonight. Uh, those times are the ones that I say, how do we make these get in first? Because if they don't get in and they get pushed out, 
the detriment to my life and to my family and to the things that's going on is bigger than if I don't get to do something else. What's your big rocks? What's your things that you think have to get into your calendar? And if they don't, you're just not living the most fulfilling life you can. Because I believe this is a message that's pertinent to anybody, uh, I think this big rock image is a pertinent to anybody, whether you follow Jesus or not. But, but if you do follow Jesus, uh, there is a concept that God introduced early on in scriptures that sometimes we don't grasp correctly or sometimes we just miss out on and we violate it and then we feel the consequences of it and we don't realize what's going on. And, and so it's all the way back in the book of Deuteronomy. You actually find it in the book of Exodus first, but I'm going to read the Deuteronomy version. So Deuteronomy chapter 5. If you're not familiar with Deuteronomy, it's the fifth book of the Bible. Genesis, then Exodus, then Leviticus, then Numbers, then Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy chapter 5, this man that we read who wrote Psalm 90, Moses, is kind of at the end of, not kind of, he is at the end of his life, and he is giving speeches and teaching uh, as kind of this old wise one who's lived a full life to those who still have years left and are getting ready to go on a new adventure. And so he's reminding them of some experiences they had with God. He's teaching them about God. Uh, but here in chapter 5, he begins to retell them about the commands that God gave them, the Ten Commandments. And so in chapter 5, verse 12, he says this, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor daughter nor your, nor your male or female servant nor your ox or donkey and the rest of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns so that your males and female servants may rest as you do. Remember, you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Many of us think of the Sabbath day and we think of like, oh yeah, I, I don't work on one day. I don't work on Sundays. Uh, or I, I don't go out to eat on Sundays. Or I, we, we put some kind of, what does it look like to have Sabbath? But I wanna, can we drill through a little bit into what's the concept of Sabbath? What's behind this command? All right? So to do that, we have to understand part of what he says at the end. He says, remember, there was a day that you were slaves in Egypt not too long ago. They were slaves in Egypt, and their job in Egypt was to build bricks and build buildings and build cities for the king of Egypt, Pharaoh. And that's what they did. And when they did good and they built well, Pharaoh was cool with them. When they did not do well, they did not meet their quota, he beat them. And so they didn't have control over themselves, they didn't have freedom over themselves, and they cried out to God, and God came in, and he rescued them, he brought them out. And so this group that's been slaves for generations is now free, and they're heading to a land known as the promised land, where they're going to live absolutely free. And in this journey, God says, you need to understand how things work. You need some structure, you need me to help guide you how to live this life. And that's what a lot of these commands and these expectations are about. How to live as God's people. 
He says, you're going to a place where you're going to be farmers. You're going to be shepherd. And then work will never stop. And for many of these groups, it was a daily scratch it out survival. I work today to have enough to eat today. And I work tomorrow to have enough to eat tomorrow. And so if that's the scenario you find yourself in, what does it mean to all of a sudden stop working one day a week? Like that automatically would have brought them nervousness. If I don't work today, will I eat tomorrow? Like, will I be able to scratch it out in existence and survive tomorrow and the day after and the day after? Can I actually take a day off from working and survive? Most of us don't find ourselves in that situation. If I don't work today, will I eat tomorrow? Most of us don't find ourselves in that situation. So does Sabbath still work for us? What is it? At the very heart of Sabbath, Sabbath is a learning, a rhythm that is dependent upon God. That says, I'm for them, I'm not working today so that I am trusting in you that you will provide everything I need today, tomorrow, and the next day. That you'll make the labor of six days work to feed me and my family for seven. And so Sabbath is about dependence on God, about learning to lean on and to be dependent upon the one who made us, the one who designed us, and the one who knows us most. And so we can say, sure, I take a day off work. It's the day I get all my chores and all those other things done. Or, or we can figure out some way to think that we're honoring Sabbath. But here's the heart of the question. Are we leaning into God? Are we learning to depend on God? Does our life revolve around the one who created us? Because that's Sabbath. That's what he wants from us in this. And so if you read enough of the Old Testament, you'll realize that the Sabbath day was not the only time the word Sabbath or the concept of Sabbath came into play. As they began to progress as Israelites, as followers, they had different times throughout the day where they would pause to pray. And so they had daily rhythms that recognized their dependence on God. Do we have daily rhythms that recognize and lean us into dependence on God? They had weekly rhythms, this idea of a Sabbath day, to lead their week in a place where it's dependent upon God. Do we have Sabbath in our week that leads us to depend on God? They had seasonal rhythms. Do we have seasonal rhythms? Because the year is not all the same. And in that, they had seasons that were busy. They had seasons where they stopped and they celebrated and they recognized God. Do we have that too? For our family, my family, I know that spring and fall are busy seasons for us. We know it. We just, that's, we've learned that. And so we intentionally make the other seasons peel back, scale back. We're getting ready to throttle down hard this week for the next couple months. But come the first week of July, that throttle's pulled back. And we're going to live in a rest time. And we know when fall hits, it'll throttle back down again. And we'll be fruitful in what we do. But then once that season's over, we're going to throttle back. We're going to invest more time in each other in that, more time in our friends in that time. And restoring so that God can use us again in greater measures the next season. Sabbath. 
The great thing that Sabbath does for us when we understand it, we live into it a daily and a weekly and a seasonal and a yearly thing, what it does for us, it creates margin. It creates margin in our life because we begin to control how that calendar is used and we know that what's most important gets in first. And so I want to leave you with this. God wants more for you than he wants from you. He does. God wants more for you than he does wants from you. And so at any point you feel the pinch and you feel like, oh, like, I know God wants me to be at church and be a part of a group and he wants me to be growing, but I just can't do it right now. Remember this, God wants more for you than he wants from you. And so maybe the pathway that he has laid out for you is the one that's actually best for you. And you feel like, man, I just might have gotten so busy, I haven't picked up my Bible, and I can't tell you how long. God wants more for you than he wants from you. And maybe the pathway that he's laid out for us is actually the best one. And so I always ask you at the end, what'd you hear? How can you respond? You can share with us. And I want to guide that a little bit this morning. Uh, you've got your connection card I've already talked about once. Uh, I invite you to get that back out. And so here's the question I want you to wrestle with today, but also like beyond this week, I want you to wrestle with this. What are your big rocks? Your family, what are your big rocks? Because if you don't know what they are, the good chance is the small little things will get in there first and they'll keep something really important out. And so what are your big rocks? All right. And so and here's, I want to pray for you. Because I'm on this journey and I have so many things that I want to do and be a part of and there's not enough time to do and be a part of them all. If you say this really resonated with you and you've been really challenged by this, um, your life looks a little bit too much like the first desk with all the piles uh, and you want me to pray along with you as you begin to recognize what the big rocks are. You Here's what I invite you to do. On the back of this connection card, just write two simple words first desk, all right? It's our code language, all right? Just between me and you, code language, all right? No one else will know what it's about, but our code language will mean pray for me because right now I'm trying to figure out what my big rocks are because I've said yes to a ton of stuff and I feel crazy right now. If you write that, I'll pray for you, all right? If you're living in a good life, I want to celebrate with you because actually I want to know there's actually people who do exist like that. And so would you write second desk on your card for me because I want to celebrate with you. Uh, and ask the Lord to continue to drive into you Sabbath so that you live whole life as a second best person, not just a season or a short thing a week. If you'll do that, I'll be praying for you um, this week, I promise, and beyond, okay? Because that's what the Lord wants from us. He wants more for you than he wants from you, and he wants you to live a life that is not fear-based in its scheduling, but is God-based. Because the fear of missing out or the fear of disappointment can often lead us to places where things are spilling out and golf balls are going everywhere. I want to pray for you. Then our band's going to come out and we're going to respond in, in singing uh, as a way to respond to God. Uh, but if the Lord is speaking to you, I want to see you slow down this morning. Slow down, right on the back of that card, first desk. And then as we go, as I pray, as we sing, I don't even care if you participate this morning in singing this last song. Maybe this is time for you just to say, here's my first little bit of margin. What are the big rocks that you have for me, Lord? All right? So I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I want you to sit there. If you want to continue to write and process through this, 
you can do that. This is a way for us to respond to the teaching that God has brought our way this morning. Let's pray. God, Father, from the looks on faces right, I'm seeing right now, I know that many of us feel like first desk people. And so we, we need to hear the words right now that you want more for us than from us and that the things that you're doing uh, are all about creating this margin, are all about creating space for you to be our God and for us to live in the rhythms and in the life that you've guided for us. Forgive us, Lord, when we've said yes to everything, not recognizing that we're saying no to many things. And many times the thing we say no to is you. And Lord, you teach us. Teach us what Sabbath is supposed to be. And teach us what it looks like to live into this as one who's dependent on you. Around this room, Lord, I ask that your spirit be present, that you would work among us. Those, those who feel all sorts of guilt, Lord, would you come in and pinpoint what it is that you're wanting to correct? Because we know that you don't condemn, but you correct in order to bring us to freedom, Lord. For those who are feeling like, I don't know what to do, like I, don't, I can't figure this out, there's just, I don't know where to go to clean my calendar up. Lord, I just ask that you would uh, speak to them and reveal to them what it is that's most important and where it is that we need to be starting saying no. Lord, I pray for those that have jobs that just demand seasons and times where there is seven days a week work and crazy schedules. Lord, I ask that in their career and in their profession, Lord, you would reveal what Sabbath looks like. Because I don't think you've given up on them. And so I ask that you would help them to recognize what it looks like to live a life dependent on you in their career. Lord, we're asking big prayers, but we know we're praying to a big God. And so it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.